Have you now got it, Stephen? I have. Thank you, Edward. This is, this is like mentioning your dinner parties and reviews. <laughs> oh, no, some blokes don't want to talk. Not at all. That really did make me laugh. What's this one? The fact that he put it in, in his my... review had me killing myself. I, I, I was going to take it out I and wrote, then I thought, no, it was I'm actually true. The night before, I had, had a dinner party and I was using this sound stand to play music in the background. And so I, I mentioned it was quite handy for that. <laughs> You're having a dinner party. It makes quite a useful way of playing. That's the sort of shit that I come up with. I know, I know. Exactly. As I was writing, I was thinking, this is going to be even more middle class than Ed. <laughs> and I am the most middle class person that has ever lived. Exactly. And then some bloke put on the review thread, dinner party, oh, how very lardy da <laughs> That was his only comment, I feel like. Yeah, nothing to do with the product. <laughs> having a dig at me personally for having friends. <laughs> Are we recording yet? Yes. <laughs> oh, good. Uh-huh. Right. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, well, clearly I have got friends because I was at a house for them on Thursday night, so... Was it one of those rock paint cutouts that you left in the bed? <laughs> yeah, it was I'm like, thinking like of, the, I'm thinking of the scene of from Home Alone. Thinking of comedy where he's got the kind of audience lined up in his basement and <laughs> an interview chair. <laughs> but I haven't even started yet. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the AV Forums podcast for the 2nd of September, which is a Tuesday, so we are a day early. The reason for that, uh, we're going to discuss in a minute once I introduce who's on the podcast with me this edition. Assistant Editor Steve Withers. You made a woman meow. News Editor Mark Hodgkinson. Waiter, there's too much pepper on my paprikash. Games Editor Mark Abotwright. Is one of us supposed to be a dog in this scenario? And Audio Reviewer Ed Selly. You're the worst kind. You're high maintenance, but you think you're low maintenance. Don't forget... The football window is still open as we record this on Monday afternoon. Nine hours still to go. Anybody signed anybody, Mark? Um, me, yes. I, well, I haven't, not personally, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm disappointed. Well, I was thinking of it. I was thinking of it. But uh, about United, uh, Falcao. Falcao to United. So they've got a, a ridiculous wealth of striking options and a shitty defence. Uh, that was the major one I saw this morning. And my well, that's team, the, Dar- it's the Darby. Kevin Keegan approach, just out to score more goals than your opposition does. Yeah, it's not good, gonna, that's that's good be the but Yeah, they'll be worth watching, but they're not going to win anything. That's for sure. No. Yeah, they won't win anything with kids. Um, <laughs> nobody's died this week either, uh, which is news in itself. Um, so we can move swiftly on. No one's died yet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Bot, Bot Wright's hanging on. Money on somebody popping the clocks by tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, right, so let's go to hardware news and uh, the big thing this week, the reason why the podcast is out early is um, at least myself and Steve are heading to Germany uh, for IFA on Wednesday. It runs from Wednesday through to next, I think it's next Tuesday, isn't it? The 10th? Or, yeah. Well, that'll be next Wednesday, then, the 10th of uh, September. Uh, biggest show in Europe, biggest consumer electronics show, but it's more of a white goods kind of show um certainly that's the way i've always seen it. it it's a huge show in terms of space but a lot of that space ed and and steve is made up with white goods cookers washing machines that kind of thing and uh, and then you have your av hi-fi as well on top of that you make it sound like that's a bad thing yeah it's not necessarily a bad thing so, i mean, yeah, I mean so first, sounding... firstly you can feed yourself quite <laughs> say, quite happily by just doing a microwave a is a microwave is all you need uh, well, no, well, you could, you know, but you sweep around the kitchen. I, 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 I don't have dinner parties. A microwave is fine. At the risk of sounding middle class and getting confused <laughs> again, um, you can go to the Samson stand. They've got some Michelin star chefs down there, and, and yeah. you can get some really, really good food, nice glass of champagne for nothing, which is always a big thing in my book. Well, that's fine. When we're out shooting videos, that's where we'll go for our lunch. But um, we are the AV forums, not the foodie forums. Um, so it's the AV side of things that we're interested in. So, Ed, what are you looking forward to? Um, do you know what? Eve is one of those funny ones where that so much of the announcements ahead of time, things like obviously Samsung's curved sound bar that was announced and went up on the site uh, this morning at the time of this recording, it, the actual true audio things are a bit more lost in it. But with all, obviously, uh, Yamaha have announced uh, about 48 products from what I could work out from, from the news story. That There's a huge amount of stuff. And let's face it, it's going to be the first time that a lot of these Atmos 
receivers are going to be, you know, out and, 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 you know, something you can look at in the metal. Uh, whether, I don't know if, I mean, I don't know if it's different because you guys normally go on the press days and I normally turn up once everyone's actually there so I can do my heavy metal t-shirt bingo. <laughs> but um, they don't generally do much in the way of AV Dems. So I don't think it's going to be an opportunity to hear any Atmos demos. Uh, yes, there are. There are really? Atmos demos, yes. Good. Right. Well, I mean, I mean I, like you, Ed. That's I'm good news. I'm definitely keen to see the Atmos, um, new Atmos receivers that I'm sure will be there. And any demos that are available. Plus, you know, if I can find a demo disc I can pinch, that would be really handy too. Mm, two, if you could. <laughs> um, yeah, because you've currently yeah. got an Atmos receiver in your house. I do, yes. But nothing, um, no Atmos stuff to play on at the moment. No, and I don't necessarily know for sure. It's had a software update. I do not necessarily believe it's had the Atmos codec. Okay, well, here's, here's a question, Ed, because one of the big selling points of uh, Oro uh, was the app mixer. So has Atmos got an app mixer? Um, I can encourage this Yamaha to send stuff out of ceiling channels if they're selected. Yes. Yes, it does. Um, but it doesn't. Now, what I can't tell you, because as I say, I don't think the Atmos codec is physically on it. It can do that as a result of the Yamaha DSP program, which has been able to, to send signal to these speakers, well, for some years now. So... I, at the moment, I don't know if it's doing it in a in a in a dobbly way or if it's just <laughs> doing it in a Yamaha way. Uh, but you can you rest assured, you can make full use of any additional speakers that you plumbed in at the moment from from the moment you install it. Okay, so there's the Atmos side of things, which I still think is dead in the water. <laughs> I just don't see it taking off, uh, but it's going to be interesting to see uh, and listen to it. I've heard, um, I've heard all uh, three D, so it'd be interesting to hear Atmos. Um, Steve, what are you looking forward to? Well, obviously, um, uh, well Atmos again, uh, as with Ed, but um, I guess from the video side of things, uh, hopefully, might be get some more projectors announced because last year was quite a good year for that. We had Sony with the VW five hundred, which was a really groundbreaking price point for a 4k projector so fingers crossed there's more news from them um and oled hopefully oled will be there i mean we haven't heard anything recently from lg so i don't know what they're up to but obviously they have made some announcements previous earlier in the year about both a 65 inch uh 4k oled um at a very attractive price point and more recently in the states at least uh 1080p oleds that were looking you know sort of around a very you know a very key price point um, so, again, if there's some news about those, that would be interesting. And hopefully other manufacturers as well might once again show something um, of, of an OLED nature. I would be very surprised if their Korean cousins weren't there in some form, um, given how much emphasis um, LG are currently placing on OLED. It's strange because uh, Samsung, this time around, Samsung are playing the LG game, which is to announce everything before IFA. <laughs> in news stories and press releases and so on and LG's being quiet and usually it's the other way around when yeah, it comes up it to is. So, um, so maybe LG are planning because last year at EFA, what happened was you're quite right Phil was LG pushing everything out the week before basically in, in press announcements and then at the show they didn't really have much I mean, they could show the products but there wasn't much for them to announce in terms of new stuff uh, whereas Samsung had the big un, un, unboxing or unpacking unboxing was it event unpacking unveiling Unveiling. Well, I think they called it unpacked, yeah, but it was a big unveiling of their products, uh, very much a la um, Apple. Um, so, yeah, uh, basically uh, Atmos, OLED and 4K, particularly more, more to the point 4K. I mean, there will be 4K TVs there, of course, as well. I'm sure I know we're expecting Panasonic to launch their um, 902, which obviously they showed at their convention earlier in the year, but we're going to launch, actually launch them in a sort of in Q3. Be nice, so be nice be if it has Netflix on board. That, that would be a step up. That's uh, yeah, not having Netflix on a 4K TV when that is currently the only real source of 4K content is like a massive shooting yourself in the foot, isn't it? Of course, uh, hidden in the Samsung, well, it wasn't really hidden in the Samsung announcement last week though, but uh, the announcement that Amazon are going to start their 4K uh, streaming in October and it's coming to Samsung TVs that was one of the big uh, pre-EFA show news stories that was uh, announced last week Steve so that's interesting that Amazon's now getting on board wonder what it is that they're going to uh, stream in 4k can only be really film material can it 
Well, I don't know. I mean, they they do produce their own shows, things like Black Cells, um, Vikings. I don't know how they're shot, but if they're shot on 4K cameras, there's no reason why they couldn't do the same thing that Netflix are doing. Which is- uh, everything they're doing going forward, all their own content is shot in 4K. Well, there that's you go. Been, that's going to be the, the case for the last nine months or something. Was it, as far as 4K movies go, I think the studios seem much more uh, controlling with that in, in respect to that. I mean, I know that in that same Samsung um, press release, they mentioned the hard drive that we saw in CES back in the beginning that would come preloaded with movies and you could download some more. Uh, over a period of time, I don't know, and that was going to be launched certainly in the states. Whether it's going to get a US, a U, a European, or a UK release, I'm not so sure. But that would be good because the big problem, as we've said on numerous occasions with 4K, is there isn't any content. Uh, and if you want to flog a TV, 4K TV, you really need to put some 4K content out there. And I, obviously, Samsung are more than aware of this and are trying, I think, to a certain extent, to corner the market a bit, which they have done quite successfully with catch-up services recently as well. Um, and that's fair enough. I mean, I can't blame them for doing that. I mean, you need content, and they're trying to find ways of delivering. What does massively concern me, and if we don't hear anything at IFA, or possibly oh, CDR after IFA, yeah, but it's definitely at IFA, if we don't hear about 4K Blu-ray. Oh, 4K bloody Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah, that's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Crime against humanity. <laughs> uh, well, you know, but seriously, I mean, there was no mention of that at all in that press release. From, yeah, from and, and you know what, Steve? I think the problem is that because... Um, you know, we do this every day of the week, including weekends, and we get press releases and we talk to these companies and we see all this stuff, sometimes well ahead of time, well ahead of the consumer and all the rest of it. I think sometimes we get a little bit ahead of ourselves. And who's to say that 4K Blu-ray has to be announced now? What's the rush? They said at the beginning of the year, the BDA, that they were going to announce the specifications. So I mean, what was stopping them from doing that at the very least? I mean, the specs have already been agreed as far as yeah, I'm aware. It, might, it's not it like... might be that they want to get the best possible system, so they're going to take the time of it because there's no actual rush to market. And I think if you went out and spoke to Joe Public on, on the high street and said, do you know what Ultra HD is or do you know what 4K is? I think you'll probably find 1% of the people you, you ask that question to maybe have maybe heard of it. Yeah, but from the point of view of the manufacturers, it's really easy to sell a 4K platform if you've got some 4K content. And, and I'm, I'm not arguing, Betty, I'm not arguing that, but, but you're, you're saying if there's not an announcement of 4K Blu-ray, it's the end of the world, and I don't think it is. I, I think there's plenty okay, of time for say, it. Well, maybe something will come along and see, yes, but every passing, with every passing month, uh, you kind of feel yeah, that um, more and I'm, more emphasis is being placed on streaming. No, I, I don't think so. I don't think there's, there's this bigger rush. Ed, do you? Um, I don't know. Uh, I do think that quite separate or partially separate from the general public if the online and on-demand content providers have got a solution which less, you know, not ultra-discerning members of the general public find satisfactory, then any opportunity for 4K Blu-ray, it, it's already looking quite niche and it's just going to become more and more niche. So I think there is there is an element but you see, of time. I, I don't. I, I think if, if there is a demand for it, and there will be if, if the market is flooded with 4K TVs over the next five years uh, and there's a call for content, they'll announce 4K Blu-ray. I think, it, it, I, certainly Steve getting his knickers in a twist right now, I think you're panicking about nothing at the minute. All I'm saying is give it time because I think you know once, once the, the ecosystem's there, or one side of the ecosystems there, then you'll start to see things come on. Because we had HDTVs long before Blu-ray. Yeah, but we knew it was coming. <laughs> and we didn't have streaming services uh, like but, we've uh, got Hang now. on a minute, but did you? Because you had HD DVD as well, and you had all that kerfuffle that went with that. So, you know, I, I just think you're panicking over nothing at the minute, Steve. I'm trying to calm you down, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> trying to save your blood uh, pressure. I wouldn't mind so much if I could stream shit, but I can't. <laughs> I know you draw the parallels between uh, the launch of Full HD and Blu-ray, and it was, you know, it was some time after. But I, I don't think that the landscape's quite the same, um, as Ed was sort of alluding to. We've got those streaming services now, and and they are getting better and better. And if it's five years down the line, it might be too late. And, and again, it might not be necessary, depending on 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 the uh, efficiency of the compression and the uh, and the network infrastructure. You might not actually need 4K Blu-ray. Um, I know Steve might if he's still living in the same in the sticks, you know, um, with a crappy internet connection. But for the majority of people, streaming may just be enough. Yeah, and, sure. and if it may be so, like, that's a, so niche, fight, you know, a few years down the line, that a physical format just, just won't be necessary. I don't think there's there's going to be any uh, question about it being niche. 
um, I mean, even Blu-ray is is still a niche area of the market. Um, what do you think, Mr. Botwright? Um, I'm still of the opinion that a large amount of people just went to HD screens simply because of the form of the screen themselves. Larger screen size, that kind of thing. A lot of people were happy just with the idea for many years of upscaling DVDs. I also think by the time you get to the point, uh, as has been made, where you might have 4K Blu-ray, will the mass market just be so entrenched in streaming and it's just it's the easiest thing and you've got this kind of convergence of devices that the idea of sticking another box under the TV which is something people complain about and everything's been about kind of trimming down on things in in entertainment units under the television will it just be a case of well they won't want that you know you've got your smart TV you've got a box that streams everything you want is that going to be all that's really needed and and the extra quality perhaps just won't be something people go out to seek and when did you buy your last blu-ray disc uh, uh probably best part of a year ago <laughs> and, and part of that is because of streaming i have to say Snap. it really is I, 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 the last blu-ray disc I, I received was from steve through the post last time i bought anything was well over a year ago uh hodge uh i, I do occasionally buy blu-rays just uh, mainly because of the 3d for testing for reviews i wouldn't bother otherwise to be honest I, I, very few there's not many i feel compelled i need to i need to go out and buy straight off i also think um last time around we had to get the consoles the uh, three xbox 360 and ps3 pushing hd a bit people got, got these sources sat there and they didn't have anything to play them on to, um, but we haven't got 4k consoles so that, I think that's, a, that's a good question, factor. actually, Mark H. So, Mark B, what is the current state of play with 4K gaming? 4K gaming? Mm. Um, uh, that's... I, I don't think you're going to see that. Uh, you know, it will be... It would have to be so specialist, and, you, you know, you're looking at PC only. I can't see it, you know... Well, look at, say, 3D with, with um, consoles. It was never even really tried that much. It was a select few titles, and it was just something. It, it was a nice thing to put down in, in a you know kind of bit of marketing blurb to say that it will be there. Um, but yeah, it, it just fell by the wayside. Can you game in 4K at the moment on a PC? Yeah, in theory, I think you can. Can't you? In theory, you can. I think there's there's very interesting thing about um, Elite, the the kind of update of Elite, where you're going to be able to take these kind of huge shots. I think they're in 4K of um, of space, um, but the game has to kind of like slow down to a crawl and, and stuff to just it, it should, take it. It should be possible um, in terms of the video acceleration and video cards that are available because uh, there's lots of them available now with different frame rates and so on for video editing. So it doesn't take that much of a leap to, to put that towards gaming if the game, uh, like you say, Mark, was developed in 4K, released in 4K and so on. But there's not a market for that, is there, really? I, I think at the at the extreme end of PC gaming, there will always be a market for, you know, pushing things. And, you know, there are, are people who will go out and they will buy, you know, huge graphics cards purely for that and build, continually build new rigs so that they can be at the kind of bleeding edge. The problem, I think, with 4K is just the question of, well, theoretically, yes, you can do it, um, but all the kind of little niceties that go along with PC gaming, like being able to have you know absurdly high frame rates and the like, might have to fall by the wayside. Um, so yeah, but theoretically, it's possible. Okay. I think the extra res- uh, so slightly off topic, but the extra res- resolutions being used in multi-screen setups for like to driving games. So you have got three screens, uh, one in front, two side. Obviously, and I think that's where the it is getting used, but not I think like a native you know four K game on a single screen. Yeah. Okay, uh, Steve, I think you better start panicking then, mate. <laughs> well, just to answer your previous question, Phil. I had a Blu-ray arrive today. So. Yeah, but I, th- I think you're. you're, you're so are we saying here that I, I think you are? Yeah, you're part of a dying breed. I think. Well, no, I was saying, Did I you buy it though? Then. Yes. Did you bought it us, for a dinner party. Out of five of us who are you know AV enthusiasts. Am I the only one regularly buying Blu-rays? No, I bought Winter Soldier. Oh, okay, there you go. So Ed's still... So Ed and I... Yeah, but... I'm going to come out with a confession here. I bought Winter Soldier because uh, I've just done uh, a review of a uh, speaker package. 
Uh, I've got uh, this Atmos receiver to do for you guys. I've got other. I've got just a, a big tranche of AV reviews coming up for various various people. I just thought it probably would be wise if I showed at least some willing and had a basically <laughs> up to date film. To so, 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 so basically, <laughs> like like Hodge, you've bought it for work purposes, really. Yeah, not, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, it, you're part but, of a dime film. It's a new series of Wheeler Dealers this evening. Am I? Do you think I'm going to watch a film? I've got Ed China to to, <laughs> to watch. <laughs> You know, and uh, Fast and Loud kicks off again on Thursday. Right, okay. But that um, doesn't bode well for Blu-rays, the format, does it, if I'm the only one out of the five of us regularly buying them now? Yeah, yeah. well, that, that just tells you everything you need to know, yeah. I think, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> get, get with it, Grandad. Start buying records. <laughs> <laughs> um, Phil, what are you looking forward to, Ethan? Me? Um, I, don't know, I don't know because it's... <laughs> what was that promo? <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, it's been two years since I did the show properly. I mean, like, go around all the halls and see what everybody has, has on. It must be about two years since I last did that. So this is the first three one. Three years. It's actually three years. I'd is say. it three, three years? years? Is it year before last is when you flew out for that interview and then flew back. Right. I think this time around, I'm just interested to see how things have moved on in three years in terms of the show. Certainly the last time I was there to cover it properly, it was, it was decreasing in size. It was getting smaller. Some of the halls were standing empty um, because we were right in the middle of the the economic recession and of course there was the whole euro thing going on at the time and so on so uh, a lot of panicking in the markets and and there was a lot of exhibition space which was empty so i'm interested in seeing how 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 it is now with the market the way it is now there's going to be 4k there's going to be curve that's going to be the next big thing for the next year and a bit so we're going to see that again at ces in in january when we're there the problem is i don't see any innovation happening this is what's worrying me at the minute i think uh manufacturers certainly Apart from LG, are looking at shifting um, LCDs. Uh, even if the 4K resolution, it gives them an excuse still to sell LCDs, which they can stop their R&D or certainly reduce their R&D spends on the types of things like OLED. It depends how big LG push the OLED thing. They're being suspiciously quiet this week. I mean, we haven't had any emails about press briefings or anything, which is not like LG at all. So it could be something big or they've got nothing to show us. One or the other. So um, so I, I, that's the one concern. I want to see how, how, how the show is. I want to see how healthy the industry is in terms of that. But the innovation side is worrying me because it only looks like LG's pushing it. And, and I think LG's pushing it just for the fact that, that they can have a solution that they can do it quite cost effectively. Um, but it might not be the best solution. Interesting to see. In terms of projectors, um, I've only really heard noises coming from Sony. Um, regarding new projector at the show. Of course, Cedia is the week after IFA, yeah. um, and Cedia is traditionally when most of the projector manufacturers announce their stuff. So IFA is usually quite a quiet show, apart from Sony when it comes to projectors. So I think we'll wait till Cedia the week after and see uh, what's announced there. I don't, th- I don't see anything big for projectors. You know, the fact that Panasonic have not introduced a new projector since 2012... 12 is uh, i think that's a and even after buying sanyo i think um that shows you where i think the, the home projector market is at the minute it's it, it has to be cheap 4k and i don't think anybody can do cheap 4k at the minute so i think that that market's stalling a little bit so i'm not expecting to see anything there um this is starting to sound really quite down isn't it <laughs> um, um well i'm pleased you know from from my you know Already, if you like, my 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 section of uh, of the world has already sort of changed and is 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 existing in different circumstances already. So the audio two channel side of things, um, I imagine I'll be able to go into much more detail once all of these infernal embargoes listed listed. But there's some some going to be some simultaneous good news from a couple of manufacturers um, about a little bit of licensing, uh, which will be announced over the CDA period, which we'll come back to, and. Um, it's weird. Uh, obviously, two-channel gets very limited coverage at IFA, but there's a bullishness to some of the stuff that's being announced and and, and coming out. Yeah, and, but, but is and, it is it false hope though, Ed? This is my this is my big concern for the audio side of things at the minute, and and companies. They seem to be putting a hell of a lot into Dolby Atmos, and we've just. Oh been... no, no, sorry, I wasn't talking about multi-channel. Oh, right, okay, that, that's that's on a hiding to nothing. Like stereo is where it's at. <laughs> okay, sorry, I, I, I was I didn't realise you were talking. No, no, no. There's, a, uh, there's truth. Truth be told, um, multi the Atmos is going to live or die on 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 media. We'll leave it. We'll leave it be. I would say that um, this uh, the, the the Yamaha that's here at the moment um, 
even if Atmos is a total bust, um, this is the first sort of, if you like, smart receiver, you know, where there's all sorts of additional functionality. Yeah. This is the first one where absolutely everything the manufacturer says it does, it does. What does it look like, Ed? Because this is another bugbear of, of mine, and, and that's a fact that in terms of design, ergonomics and design, the whole AVR market, the whole multi-channel market, and even to an extent the, the hi-fi world when it comes to integrated amplifiers, it hasn't moved on in terms of design. It's still a big, well, big yeah, I mean, box. Yeah, there's, there, it's still a big black box. And I, I may be in a minority here, but I lament the passing of um, the orange displays that used to mark Yamaha products out at a glance. <laughs> but um, it's, no, I think, I think it's a perfectly... It's a perfectly unobtrusive looking bit of kit that I don't think you can turn a home cinema amplifier into furniture. You can do it with a stereo amp and certain companies like DevLA and people like that are doing clever and bold things. But yeah, um, no, it's, it, it's I, I, the problem is at the basic level, Phil, people don't want to stick massive quantities of loudspeakers into their rooms and inviting them to add more is not going to be no, exactly. endlessly successful. And, and we're, we're going to come on to that subject in just a sec. I just need to plug again that it is EFA this week. So next week's podcast uh, will be our EFA roundup. Uh, Mark is going to be doing all the news. That's Mark Hodgkinson before Botwright has a heart attack. Uh, Mark's going to be doing all the news <laughs> um, from the show. And uh, that'll be from Wednesday morning onwards. Um, so everything that is announced will be on the homepage of avforums.com. So go there. Uh, we will have li- links through to the hub page, which is just nothing but EFA news, if that's what you're after. And then over the weekend and into next week, uh, you should start to see some video uh, presentations from us, from uh, interviews and some written articles from Steve as well about what we've seen, what we think personally, uh, our opinions on on how the show is going and so on. And I know I started to sound a little bit down there in terms of where the market's going and so on, but I've got to say I'm genuinely looking forward to the show this year, which um, for people like us, Steve, who do this on a regular basis, who um, and, and we are lucky to do it on a regular basis, but at the same time, it can, can become a bit of a grind, especially when there's not that much to see. Yeah, I'm quite excited this year for IFA and CES in January. You see, I always like IFA because the, uh, the, the, the sheer randomness of, of stuff on show, I mean, you know, let's face it, Phil, if you get bored with the... Um, with any of the sort of things oh, that I'll be straight, I'll be straight down to Samsung for my uh, for my lunch. Well, it's not just that. <laughs> I mean, so joking aside, I mean, um, you know, you and I both have more than a passing interest in cameras. I mean, I spent quite a lot of time on the Sigma stand the last yep. time I was there. Yep. They had some quali- some some cool toys. I, I like the fact that it's all under one roof. It's a bit scattergun. Ah, but, but you see, it's not this year. This is another thing that really annoys me. Why do companies who go to these big events, which have huge and I mean massive at showgrounds decide that they're going to have their thing off site well and that's more a, and more a, a more and more are doing this and if they think that you know you just got to look at journalists journalists are lazy they're not going to go from messy center and get in a taxi and go somewhere else and pay for that taxi to go somewhere else um so these companies are trying that on this year good luck <laughs> you're not going to get much uh, in the ways of uh, of footfall certainly if you're trying to get your message out um, however, there is a new section of the messy hall, which Samsung have completely taken over, Steve, called the Cube. Um, yeah, they have. I mean, obviously, they've built that since last year because it certainly wasn't there when I was there last year. Um, certainly, Samsung dominated the show last year, I've got to say, in terms of its coverage, the size of their, their stand. They had a massive they had a massive unpacking event the night before. Uh, it was very much Samsung-heavy um, and it looks like it's going to be equally the case this year, if judging by the fact that they've taken over the whole of this cube, which I'm glad it is in, in the convention area, because I, I, at first I thought, where the hell is that? Because I yeah, hadn't heard of it yeah. before. Yeah, it's, but, it's um, just, yeah, I think we can expect to see a lot of Samsung. Good. So that's the for show. Uh, we will have our full wrap-up uh, in the podcast next week, as well as our videos and written articles and so on. And like I say, the news going up from Wednesday morning. So, Ed, we were talking about people putting more than uh, five speakers, or even five speakers in their uh, in their living rooms. And obviously that's seen a big market increase for the likes of Yamaha and other manufacturers who, uh, well, Yamaha kicked it off with the sound projector, they called it. Yeah. Um, and it's developed into the sound bar, they now call them sound plates, sound bases, and so on. So this whole new market, it doesn't just you know come out of fresh air. I mean, obviously, these products are what people want. They don't yes. want 
do you want to know the most surprising feature I found on this Atmos receiver that's lurking in one of the setup menus? It's got this thing has got a virtual rear surround setting. It actually has a completely programmed set of set of processes for working with just the front three speakers and working with phantom surrounds. And the fact that Yamaha felt that that's necessary to do on a flagship AV receiver is quite eye-opening. Um, so, yeah, it, it's demand-led. It, it came from two ends. We've got televisions which are wafer-thin, which means that they sound, broadly speaking, they've got the sort of clarity and range as those sort of singing fish things. And, um, yeah, equally, people have just gone, there has to be, it has to be a better way. And for any you know remotely i mean ironically my lounge is is always looked a bit odd and it's going to look even more odd once it's got two complete systems in here but for anyone else who's going well do you know what i can have 75 maybe 80 percent of the performance that i had before and literally 25 percent of the hassle and boxes where do i sign just just bring it on and that's that's the nature of it and all of the solutions where you actually have speakers at a given point, yes, you can separate them from the receiver wirelessly in terms of signal transmission, but you they still need to be powered in some way, shape or form. And, you know, you, the only way you can, you know, develop sound further, you can try and get more out of, your ex, out of the existing, say, number of speakers, but then that forces people into kind of very dedicated and specialist speaker purchasing decisions which may or may not be small and room friendly or you add more conventional speakers and neither of those things is well both of them are hopelessly compromised i think is the best best thing that we can say about either of those approaches so steve uh, not only are you living in the past with blu-ray um being an enthusiast with uh, a full 5.1 system and i'll join you here because i've still got a full five we're living in the past mate well, I mean, I, I, yes, to a certain extent. We are living in the past in the sense that um, the majority of consumers are no longer that keen on putting, and I, by consumers, I probably mean their, other, their partners more than the enthusiasts themselves, perhaps, but even a lot of enthusiasts now aren't that keen to start putting speakers all around their living room, which is going to make um, selling Atmos as a concept tricky, um, and obviously it's one of the reasons why they developed the Atmos speaker in order to try and create a similar effect without having to actually put speakers on the ceiling. But... Personally speaking, you know, and I don't care what they say. I don't care what manufacturers say. Well, I can do pseudo surrounds, and we can do this. You know, when you actually hear a genuine five point one or seven point one setup, you can't fake that properly. You, can, you know, there is always going to be a compromise, uh, and bouncing sounds off of rear walls and this kind of stuff is never going to sound the same. So, I, I think a lot of it's down to people who are resistant to having lots of speakers in their rooms, which is fair enough. I also think a lot of it's down to people who have never really experienced a great surround setup. Because I think when you have experienced a well-done setup, you know you, you you think, well, I want that. I don't want to compromise. But I, I I appreciate that not everyone has the luxury, perhaps, of a dedicated room or even you know <laughs> partners who are going to accommodate them when it comes to putting speakers. And obviously, you've got a five point one system. I've got a seven point one system, but five point one isn't too bad because basically you're putting speakers in the corners of the room. 7.1 clearly you have to have speakers on the wall behind isn't always feasible maybe your sofa's against that wall or there's a door there or whatever reason it's not always that practical um and that's one of the things that um kind of the, um, when they were talking about aura 3d made sense the idea that by putting their height speakers where there already were speakers was less intrusive than putting speakers in the say two rears or in the ceiling um but I mean, I think the technology itself, obviously, is, is going on leaps and bounds. Um, whether whether we're the last holdouts in terms of popularity is another issue. But the technology is impressive. You know, when you hear a demo like Atmos or Oro 3D, um, you know, you think, well, this is you know, the fact they can cram all that into a disc is pretty impressive in itself. And they, you know, they're talking about delivering it via streaming as well. So there, there are other delivery uh, methods, not just disc based. Um, you know, the technology itself is, is really impressive. It's just a shame that the popularity of the AVR is definitely waning. Yeah, there is that. There is the fact that it's all these speakers in here. But the soundbar as a concept, Mark, um, it's a good idea in terms of it's better than the speakers in the TV. So that's got to be a one up. Yeah. Well, I mean, if it wasn't, then you really are wasting your money. Um, yeah. Well, obviously, I've been exposed to an awful lot of soundbars. It's not. If I was going out spending my money, uh, you know, what, the 300, 400 quid, I wouldn't go and spend it on a soundbar personally. Um, 
but as I say, it's, it's a, a, certainly an upgrade from your TV. I'm quite I'm quite favouring a two point one system at the minute, so you don't have to have to worry about the surrounds, but you get you get a nice bit of separation and a decent bit of base. That's my, that's where I'm currently at. Um, because a 5.1 system, as I've said before, does, just doesn't work in my room. So for all the reasons we've said uh, we've said earlier, it's, it's just a no-go. So um, I'm liking a 2.1. But a, a soundbar, as long as you, you've not got unrealistic expectations, it's is, it is certainly a good solution. Can I ask a stupid question? There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just wait until there's only a really <laughs> stupid answers there. Don't judge it too soon. Um, how kind of uh, low in overall height are soundbars these days? Because I had one many years ago before I went to start building a, a 5.1 setup, but it strikes me now that, should we say, I would have trouble kind of fitting it in with kind of TV units and the like seem to be have less depth to them now because everything, when I originally had this soundbar, I had a Sony DVD player that was kind of, it, it was like two concrete blocks stuck together. Um, so how do, do you have like a little kind of plinth or something that you stick Sometimes. the TV on to kind of raise it up above it? Because it seems quite a Are kind you of telling odd... me that you haven't read and digested every word <laughs> of my focal di- dimension review that's, I think, still on the front page? I, w- which... I, was, I was saving it for Christmas. Well, you might want to have a look at it a bit earlier because it answers this question and more. It's, it's actually quite a clever... Uh, it, it's it's quite a clever response, and uh, it, it, it's both sound bar, but then there's what they call the sound base. It has an optional subwoofer which connects directly to it, which becomes the plinth for the TV. Um, and I think that's quite a clever solution, personally. And of course, uh, and you, I, of course, you've got you've got sound plates and sound bases, which are the same yeah. type of thing from other manufacturers as well, where the TV sits on top of it. I think you're more struggling with with the actual traditional, in, in inverted commas, speaker bar. You're more struggling with height than you are depth. So they're not very deep, generally. Um, but I've had them varying. I've had that Humax STE something or the 1000-2000W, and that was tiny. It was like it was like a it was like a hand weapon. It was so thin and, and, and light. And uh, and there are, but then the next thing I had in was was um, an enormous great paradigm soundbar, which was 15 centimeters tall. So it cut off, you know, good chunk of the bottom of the screen so uh, yeah yeah it's um a bit of a mixed bag like a hand weapon yeah it was you pick it up and it felt like it you know if a burglar came in you'd quite enjoy taking him out with that it wasn't they sharp should put that on the advertising dear humax pr i'm very sorry that i will not be returning the review sample as i am in prison and, and it's most of the review sample head. is embedded in some scrote's brain yeah yeah apart from the fact it had rounded edges it was pretty perfect his final right. words were, that sounds just like 5.1. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny. I have to say the Focal was an interesting case in point because it, it actually did. It's the most convincing sort of simulated surround I've used since I, you know, since I was more, more consistently playing about with the Yamaha sound projectors. But I went straight from that to the Tannoy Mercury uh, five-channel system, uh, which the review will go up in a bit. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's less money than the Focal. Obviously, it needs an amplifier as well. But, um, yeah, the the jump in just scale and actual immersive surround is 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 absolutely considerable but there's no there's no getting around the fact that the tannoy stuff is taking up a vast amount more of my lounge than the focal yeah yeah i think it's uh it, it's definitely the case these days that um i think the the domain of the 5.1 system 7.1 atmos has to be the dedicated room going forward i think and certainly uh you know the custom install market seems to be buoyant at the minute because it's playing right into their hands you know they d- usually design the room from the ground up so they have the the flexibility and the ability to to add these extra speakers in hide them within the walls or in the ceilings and so on it it, it seems to be focused definitely towards that sector of the market and to people who can afford to get a company in and put a, a home cinema into a dedicated room or into a living room and hide everything that needs to be hidden i think for the the majority of AV Forums members, they will have a 5.1 system or 7.1 system in the lounge because they have found a way of getting it in there. And I think for the general public, I don't think they're, lo- they're losing out by not having a 5.1 system. That That is a given. But at the same time, I think the technology in terms of the sound bars and sound projectors and so on, Ed, has come 
uh, forward quite a bit now. And, you know, the whole point yes. is, is to buy something that's better than the sound that you're getting at the moment. And I think all of them, apart from the really cheap or uh, no-name things, tend to, tend to do that, tend to up the performance. And then I think once people get to hear that and, and they get used to a good performance, that's maybe the point where they will uh, be able to persuade the other half that 5.1 is maybe the next step up. Yeah, I mean, that's. I'm sure that there will be, you know, I don't think it's going to stop overnight. I, I think we need to be very clear about that. I just, I think the the trend is towards, uh, the, it, sound, sound bars have a degree of momentum because they are appealing to people who are just simply disappointed with the way their television performs. And they are also taking less committed 5.1 owners off the peripheral as well. And um, when you're actually dealing with the difference between a small subset package or a home cinema in a box and a soundbar, then it really, there's not much in it. And the soundbar is still more convenient. Yep. So, yeah, that's where the fun and games, that's that's where the, the challenge is. I, I don't believe many people are chopping in serious AV receiver and, and, and you know, dedicated surround speaker packs for sound sound bars uh, unless they're extenuating circumstances demand it i don't think they're doing through so through performance preference but it is just nibbling away at at the the people that's doing it and when and the the categories it's nibbling away at are also the entry level points for people who would then begin to take it more seriously and upgrade to more serious equipment but this this is the point i was trying to get it's even though they're going for sound bars there's more sound bars being being sold which means that more people are taking an interest in the sound from the tv and that has to be a good thing for the market from the bottom upwards provide well yes uh depending on where they want to take it it's the problem is that because you're buying a single item it the upgrade cost is exactly the same it's it's incredibly substantial you have to start all over again you can't upgrade a soundbar in any meaningful sense of the word whereas if you bought an av receiver and a set of speakers you could either update the AV receiver to take advantage of some yeah, formats. Yeah, but I, I don't think people will start at that point. This is what I was trying to get at. I don't think that, that you know, not AV forums members, but the majority, they wouldn't start at that point. You know, if, if I said to my parents, you need to improve the sound on the TV, they're going to buy a sound bar. Yeah. You know, or a sound plate or whatever. Or they just wouldn't have bothered. But, oh, no, it's fine for me. Yeah, I think well, that, yeah. with AVRs, they don't help themselves much here in terms of, you know, appealing to a broader customer base because they still look quite imposing uh, and slightly old-fashioned. You know, and look at the back of them and there's Steve, thousands I, of inputs. I, I see the pictures on some of these reviews and I think, Jesus Christ, look at that back panel. And if you need, oh yeah, I mean, they got, there's like you ten S video. <laughs> Who the hell ever? You, who's used this video in the last twenty years? So yeah, you know, yeah, you well, don't need all that stuff. So they why, why have the courage yeah. to strip out a lot of that and make the inter- interface? Uh, easier, make the front slicker and more attractive. <laughs> How many times do we see um, menu systems that look like Edge? You know, you can imagine, not, not naming names here, but like Panasonic, Yamaha, sorry, Pioneer, Yamaha. You know, they need to be upgraded. They look really old fashioned. Sony at least have kind of given the menu systems a bit of a, a lick of paint in terms of their appearance. But it's only this year that I finally reviewed uh, a, a, an Yamaha, Yamaha AVR that built in Wi Fi. Yes, and absolutely. unlike, as you mentioned, I think, in the previous podcast, unlike the Pioneer we both reviewed recently, it yeah. was just press a button and easy to install. They need to do stuff like that. It needs to be simple to install. It needs to be easy to set up. It needs to be intuitive to use. It needs to be less imposing and less frightening. Uh, and that will help them out, I think. But at the moment, you, you, you show your average punter a big AVR, they just shit themselves. Yeah, and they're going to buy a soundbar. That might just yes, be a weapon. exactly. Thing, buddy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. Anyway, um, we'll come back to this one. We'll we'll see what the trends are. <laughs> What's that? Readers' back panels. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> Could take off. Yeah, that's what worries me. Right, so uh, let's move on to games news. And uh, Mark, what have you got for us? Um, Nintendo announced a new 3DS. What a surprise. <laughs> you telling me you're not first in line? Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's shock horror, an updated design, so not entirely new console. Um, 
obviously they've got this long track record for kind of iterations and revisions of their handhelds. Um, this time it, it's basically um, going to be accommodating the things that were included in the original Circle Pad Pro, which was a little peripheral that would stick on to the side of the the console and would give you an extra thumbstick. Well, when the original console was was released, the first thing that most people asked was, will we get by with just one thumbstick? Um, it, it's technically not a second stick as such. They're calling it, I think they're calling it a C button. So it's, it's like a little nub, um, basically to, to control camera functions and the like. Um, they're adding in a few little details like um, colored buttons which I'm sure will be a major selling point. Um, uh, extra triggers, which obviously uh, replicate what was on the Circle Pad Pro. Um, one interesting little thing is an improved screen, which is going to um, aid viewing angles of the 3D. Um, most people, I think, have probably turned that off by now, but for the few people who haven't, that should be, you know, should be quite beneficial. Um, there's also, it can control brightness on the screen, on the fly so it should give potentially better contrast and also better battery life um, but the main kind of selling points are that it's only gonna um, certain games that come out will obviously only be able to be played on this new 3DS um, because it's gonna have an improved CPU and so Xenoblade Chronicles is going to be kind of exclusive to that which will annoy the fan base they've already built um, but also it's it's a way for them to get this near-field communicator support into a handheld console because it was something that was used on the Wii U's gamepad. Um, well, not really used as such, but now they've announced these little amiibo figures which will have little kind of chips in them so you can use them and interact with games. So their plan is to kind of, you know, flog these little figurines to... Probably the, the casual market, but also people who like things like, you know, Super Smash Brothers, so the traditional Nintendo fan base. And it's a way to kind of tie it in with that, with their obvious dominance in the handheld market. Um, there's no no release date for the UK or US yet, other than it'll be 2015, but it's set to be released in Japan October the 11th, so not long to wait. I'm sure it'll be lovely. And that's Games News. Has anybody got the right time here? Because I'm looking at 56 minutes, but I don't think that's right. I've got one hour and two. One hour and two minutes. Yeah. Right, so I'm on the But we did spend 18 minutes, minutes at the start just dicking I got 337. <laughs> <laughs> but it's on a Casio, so I wouldn't judge it's, uh, that. 334. Your Casio is wrong, bro. No, I said it three minutes early so that I don't end up... <laughs> what, so when you travel back in time, you can get back to the right <laughs> Well, point. if you notice that I'm always late for this, it's it's because I, I said it so it's, you know... Otherwise, if I didn't do that, I'd be at least 15 Well, you'd be even late. later than you already yeah, were. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I always like this part of the podcast where I can start eating Haribo. It's the Withers sequence. Are they tang-fastic? <laughs> they are. Is there any other kind? So, so this is just the point of the podcast where everybody else switches off and, and I say, what's at the cinema, Steve? <laughs> well, this week, Phil, I saw What If, which is the new film for Daniel Radcliffe. Um, it's very much in trying to be uh, when Harry met Sally for the modern age, covers the same kind of idea, which is, you know, can a, can a, a man and a woman be friends and not get sex and relationships get in the way? Um, it's... A film that completely rests upon the, the popularity and charm, to a certain degree, of Daniel Radcliffe, who I've got to say, I thought in the film was pretty good. You know, he's a nice, charming young man. Um, his comic timing wasn't too bad. Uh, you know, his performance was reasonably good. Nothing about him is particularly bad. The problem with the film is that it kind of combines a series of classic rom-com set pieces, things like, you know, going scheme dipping at one point or having a campfire scene and this sort of stuff. There's um, she's a, She meets him, he meets her, they have instant chemistry, but... She's got a boyfriend. They've been going out for five years. I and mean, he's not an unpleasant guy either, which is quite a nice change. Actually, they didn't make him out to be a complete dick. He's a reasonably nice guy. You know, he says, well, we can just be friends. You know, and obviously that's not going to happen. There's going to be hurdles in the way of that friendship. And they do have you know, feelings for each other, which they try and suppress or avoid. The problem with it is that it, it, it's just not funny enough. I mean, it tries, it thinks it's witty. But it isn't. There's a couple of lines in it that were quite funny, but most of the time, it's it, the dialogue just isn't funny. If you compare it to When Harry Met Sally, that is a genuinely funny film. It's very witty, 
very well written. This, not so much, unfortunately. So it's not funny enough and it's not different enough to make it interesting as a, you know, as a romantic comedy or even a romantic drama. They don't go, uh, they don't make it, if you watch something like, say, 500 Days of Summer, that's really good because it's cleverly structured, it's very different and it's also very funny. This tries to be something like that but it fails miserably and really at the end of it you're just thinking, well, I don't really remember any of the lines from that film pretty much. The cast were okay, and the best thing about it was Daniel Radcliffe. And when you're saying the best thing about a film is Daniel Radcliffe, it's probably not going to be a masterpiece, with all due respect to him. So in my, my advice would be to go and watch, in some case of some of the people on this podcast, watch it for the first time, go and see When Harry Met Sally. When Harry Met Sally is a much better movie. Okay, and uh, Blu-rays released uh, next week, Steve. Next week we've got Bad Neighbours, which is the Seth Rogen, Zac Efron comedy, I use comedy in as broad as possible sense, that came out earlier in the year, where a married couple um, move into a new house and there's the frat house next door. So it's kind of like, you know, animal house for the current generation, if you like. Um, again, one of those things where it should be so much funnier. You know, you've got Zac, you've got Zac Efron, who can be quite funny. You've got Seth Rogen, you know, you expect to be very funny. And yet it just isn't that funny. There, there are some funny moments in it, but on the whole, you know, it's one of those films, again, that thinks it's funny. Actually, I'm sure they had a great laugh making the film, but you don't have such much laugh watching it, um, which is a shame. So it's it's mediocre and a bit disappointing. Brick Mansions, I haven't seen, but that's Paul Walker's last film, not counting the seventh um, Fast and Furious movie, which they're currently just finished shooting and using his brothers as body doubles and that kind of stuff. But his last film he completed before his untimely death, um, which is a remake of a French movie. I think it's District 13, is it? Um, with one of the same stars from the French movie. So he's one of the guys that does a lot of that parkour stuff and running through buildings and things. Um, I haven't seen it, but uh, it, I mean, if you're a fan of the French version, you might want to see it. Um, it's basically the US remake. The Angus Man in Brooklyn is one of the last films Robin Williams made before his untimely death two weeks ago. Um, where he's the guy who gets told he has cancer and only has a few days to live, but that's the doctor's mistake. And in fact, he doesn't have a few days to live. Um, again, haven't seen that. That's with Mila Kunis. Um, it looked funny in the trailers, but I haven't seen it. Homeland season three comes out. Uh, I watched season one and two and then got sick of it. So I haven't seen season three. It's and also all right. The, uh, and the Big Bang. <laughs> <a> glowing <laughs> Yeah, well done, Ed. It's all right. We'll put it on the poster, shall we? On the box cover. It's all right. Ed study AV forums. <laughs> Uh, and Big Bang uh, Theory Season 7 is also out next week if you're a fan of that. Although, let's be honest, who who buys TV shows anymore on box sets? Just watch them on streaming. I'm so glad you didn't say the N-word. They would be accused of, uh, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, Homeland probably, I don't think Homeland is on the N-word. Um, but it's but, on uh, 4OD, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Homeland is on the N-word. Is it? Yeah. Yes, actually, he's right. First two seasons are, certainly. Okay, well, okay. Recently, the recent edition. I mean, a good example, I, I have been buying um, Walking Dead uh, DVD on Blu-ray, actually, to watch as when they come out. But I noticed that pretty soon after the disc gets released, it turns up on the N-word. So I'm going to watch it on that in a few weeks' time instead. Can we just, 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 let's be clear. Netflix. Netflix. We've got Netflix. We're not, we're not, you know, tiptoeing like Rotherham Council around some sort of unpleasant <laughs> potential accusation of racism here. We're, you know, we just have in the it's, past yeah, it's, over-mentioned it's, it's just We just mentioned Netflix almost every podcast, that's all. And because it's a, it's a good system, but there are other systems out there. Streaming <laughs> services <laughs> out there. Other streaming services are available. We're going to have to come up with the equivalent term for sticky back plastic, aren't we? <laughs> On-demand yeah, online Peter. content provider, you know. Yeah, okay, fair enough. So, Steve, what is your favourite streaming service? <laughs> <laughs> For 5.99 a month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bargain. It is. It is. I mean, I'm watching Cosmos at the moment on Netflix. Uh, you know, again, a, a series I probably would have bought um, on on DVD, possibly. But, you know, it's great watching watch it in near HD quality on um on Netflix is brilliant. Well, it, I mean, I just, just mentioned that, uh, you know, two of my favourite discovery-type programmes are back. Uh, I'd actually cancelled my um, Now TV while I was away on holiday and so on. I, I need to get that back now because my two favourite things are now coming back onto my Roku box on Now TV. Um, this is how I watch TV now. I, um, the last couple of days, I've watched everything on iPlayer. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've watched both Doctor Who's on, on iPlayer. Not sure if I'm convinced... Yeah. Well, I'll give him time. It's still the early. I think he's growing into the role. There's only two episodes, so um, I think uh, I think Capaldi's, you know, 
he's got the I don't just keep expecting him to say oh for fuck's sake <laughs> yeah come the fuck in or the fuck off <laughs> <laughs> I would probably uh, actually break the habit of a lifetime and watch Doctor Who if he was playing it more like Malcolm Shepard. <laughs> I couldn't be bothered otherwise. So. I thought they addressed the the obvious elephant in the room in the first episode, which is obviously they had Matt Smith, who was in his late 20s, and Jenna Coleman's in her late 20s, and they had a very much a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship, and she clearly was in love with him. And now he's a completely different bloke, and he's in his 50s. I thought they addressed that issue very well in the first episode. Yes, you know, they, they did. They got yeah. round that one. Yeah. And I thought the bit when Matt Smith turns up ringing from the past yeah, that was, that was, was very well done. And I think they got round that one quite quite well. And then and they're quickly bringing in some other characters to prefer to fall in love with to get that one out of the way. But uh, I think Capaldi's playing well. He's playing it uh, darker uh, and, um, you know, he's edgier. And, and, and this doctor is not a nice doctor necessarily. He asked the question, am I a good man in, in episode last week? So, um yeah, it's, uh, I thought structurally, I thought this was a much more interesting episode. I thought the, the plot of the first episode was rubbish. Um, this one was better plotted. Uh, and uh, yeah, an interesting Ben Wheatley directing them, which is quite surprising. The guy that made Kill List and, and Sightseers was a strange choice, but uh, I think he did a <laughs> I, great job. I thought it was quite funny on Twitter, and I forget who it was that tweeted it, but it said six people had complained to the BBC over a lizard kissing a cockney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do think but you're right, Phil. You're right, Phil. I don't watch uh, broadcast television, as in actually the time it's broadcast uh, at all. One, one o'clock news. That's me. Uh, I watch yeah. the one o'clock news and then I switch the TV off as soon as it, it comes to the weather, because the weather's never good news where I live. <laughs> I, I switch it off. And um, uh, well, you are surely you get a warning of whether you're going to have white walkers or you know other, other you know <laughs> other issues. Um, yeah, and and I'll watch the news again on the evening. Uh, if I have my dinner that early, um, or if doing other things, maybe a little bit later on, but I don't sit and watch TV. Um, and that recent James May thing w- was on, which was quite interesting. Uh, Ed, I don't know if you saw it, but it was yeah, all about was the people's car. Watched all of that on iPlayer. I recorded it, uh, watched it at other times. I mean, obviously, I, I generally um, have stuff on during the day. I mean, I'm disappointed that Nat Geo have gone down from two episodes of Na- uh, Air Crash Investigation at 10am and 11am to just one. I think that's very disappointing. But, <laughs> it's like uh, they out of air crashes. <laughs> well, I don't know. Let, I mean, you, you've, got, yeah, you've, got, you've got to imagine the uh, the producers of this series are, are just suddenly like, they're going, God, we had a real drought of stuff and <laughs> now we've got far too much to cover. So, well, I don't uh, think as much I'm air crashes. Not the Russians. Do you need an investigation into a plane that was shot down? I, mean, I think we all know why it crashed. <laughs> yes, except it's still not abundantly clear who shot it down. Or why. Um, MH370 MH370 is still completely yeah, unsorted. Yeah. There was that Taiwanese uh, runway overshoot. Uh, there's been one in Iran. Um, it's been... And then there's a one that disappeared over the Sahara Desert and was found a couple of days later. It's been plane crash tastic, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful <laughs> way, but yeah. Oh, and, and obviously, our thoughts are with condolences. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, none of these accidents involved a company called uh, German Wings, did it? Because I'm flying with them. To <laughs> no, no, they're a very good airline. It's all I, I sounds like a tribute band. <laughs> <laughs> German Wings. <laughs> I think they're all wet leaks, those planes anyway, so it doesn't really make much difference. Um, but yeah, it's I'm, I'm sure it'll, I'm sure it'll be fine. So, Hodge, are you the are you the same when it comes to TV, or are you yeah, more traditional? pretty much apart from apart from live uh, sports, football, or or whatever. Um, yeah, I'm pretty much totally on demand streaming streaming based these days. Probably. So. Um, no, I'm still a little bit old school, you know, uh, vegging out. And uh, generally channel surfing until I find um, storage hunters on. on. <laughs> you don't have to look for that. Tell no, me more. But, <laughs> uh, but generally, um, I, I think it's a case of um, most of most of the devices that I've got for streaming tend to be kind of consoles. So therefore, it's it's usually there for a short time. You know, I'll, I'll stream something perhaps after I've played a game or perhaps just before, but then I tend to kind of turn them off. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm still more of a gamer. Yeah, okay. To um, be fair, I mean, obviously, all the series of the... All seasons of the A-Team recently appeared on... Uh, yes. On Netflix. <laughs> that was in one of your reviews, Ed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I, I watched... The, I, I, I'd never seen the pilot before with a completely different um, face in it. 
And literally, who was the original face man then? Uh, you don't ask me that off the top of my head. Not Dirk Benedict. Let's just leave it at that. It was unsettling and wrong. But more the point, they were dealing with Mexican bandits. And that's not a, <laughs> not a euphemism. And if you want, literally, it, it, it could be the new go-to definition of visual ethnic stereotyping. I mean, short of the bloke having a Speedy Gonzalez-style moustache and a sombrero. <laughs> it was just ticking every every stereotype in the book. <laughs> eh, hey, gringo! I love the A-Team. I, I, you know, un- unashamedly, it's, you know, what those thousands of rounds of ammunition expended without ever hitting a human being. It's it was like- great. I, I watched a bit of it the other day, and I'd completely forgotten just how old George Papard looked, even in the early days. Yeah. Just yeah. Do you think, what was this crack team doing? <laughs> you know, infiltrating a care home. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Mainly cracked bones through osteoporosis. Yeah. I, I, I used to watch it because I quite fancied the, one of the, the girls who was in it, which she, I think her name was Melindia Cooley or something. Oh, no, she, they she was extremely ditched pretty. Her. They ditched No, no her. I, I, think I think she actually Papard wanted said out. There should be no dames in it. <laughs> And I think um, the word dames in the 80s shows you how old he was. Back to your point, pissed, for the most part, wasn't he? The episode when Boy George turned up, there was a, it was a bit of a low. When Boy I George just, kicks a door in, like, no, that ain't happening. <laughs> I just I just love it. You know, the thing is that during the building montages where they're assembling, <laughs> but you can actually, it's all quite legit. It's like a really fast version of Scrap Heap Challenge. It's just <laughs> magnificently convince, uh, convenient that they were always shut in a building with just the right amount of oxyacetylene <laughs> and, yeah, and, and all the bits needed to uh, to make it work. But no, the other one, I didn't realise that the, one of the early season ones with a religious cult, it's got John Saxon from Enter the Dragon playing and, uh, the bad guy. Yeah, quality. And the bloke who was um, the baddie in Live and Let Die in another early episode as well. Well, yeah, Fet Koto. Yeah. Mm, they must have had a higher budget back in those days then. <laughs> or they were just properly desperate. It's always very hard to work out. Gagging for work. <laughs> Can I just say to anyone listening, and they're going, God, you really are scraping the barrel. Withers, in his infinite wisdom, had actually got, had, what's your favourite romantic comedy on the running <laughs> So anyone that thinks that us talking at length about the A team is bad, just just think you dodged a bullet. Just yeah. just just count your blessings, and we'll you know, we'll sign off, and 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 the world is a better place for it. Ooh. Tim Tim Doonigan, by the way, Tim Doonigan played Templeton Peck in the pilot. Yeah, badly. Never heard never heard from again. <laughs> <laughs> His one brush with f- stardom. It's clearly Dirt Benedict's brilliant in it. I love the scene in the tra- in the in the credits when the Cylon Centurion walks past because he was also Starbuck in yes. the original Battleship Battlestar Galactica. For those who are too young to remember, <laughs> really old. Too. Yeah, get the words out, old man. He, he can't concentrate. He's busy setting places for the next, <laughs> next dinner party. Come dine with Withers. <laughs> now that's a feature. <laughs> that could be a competition. Yeah, there was also, just before we wrap up, there was a complaint that we don't do uh, any of your um, snacks anymore, Mark. So uh, next, Yeah, next week. Uh, complaint we didn't do it, because all I've had is cheers of applause that we'd stopped doing it. Yeah, that was the impression <laughs> I got, to be honest. We can't please anybody, I think. Every now and again, we might have to I, just... I think, yeah, I think once a month, maybe uh, we'll, we'll let Mark loose in the kitchen. If he does some homework and actually does something decent, you know, rather than just making it up in the last minute. What's, what's your snack for this week, Mark? Chips. <laughs> Next week, beans on toast. <laughs> With cheese on top. Cheese on top of the beans. Yeah, and there's there's actually a, a, a flavour of Golden Wonder crisps called cheesy beans on toast. It's got, it's got to be because Golden Wonder's gone under, hasn't it? Is it? Golden yeah. Wonder has. That's the reason why. No, the reason why is because they were the most. They, they if you have complained to Golden Wonder because you like found a green crisp or a mouse. Oh, they'd always head. give you your money back, or no, no, or they'd send you a ridiculous quantity of crisps. I complained about finding a big green salt and vinegar crisp and sent them a photo of it, and they sent me back like forty-eight <laughs> bags. You <laughs> sent a, a photo of one giant green crisp. I did, yeah. <laughs> I was a student. You have a lot of time on your hands. I was a student at the time. I had all All the time on my hands. I I need a background image for the podcast. You send it over. (laughs) I'll see what I can do, but I don't think I've got it anymore, Phil. We're talking 2000 (laughs) or so when I did this. But if we're going into into anecdotes, the wonderful story of a bloke posted on the 
B3TA question of the week. Uh, a, a bloke had an aunt who was a serial complainer. We complain about absolutely everything in the hope of getting free stuff. And um, she uh, sent a missive to Kellogg's because she'd found a burnt cornflake, a solitary burnt cornflake in, in a box of cornflakes. And they just e- wrote a letter back with a single unburnt cornflake sellotape <laughs> to the top of the letter. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Whoever did that, that's just mighty. I salute you and hope that you're still working in customer service somewhere. <laughs> right. Is that enough shit, Phil? I think I think we've done enough. <laughs> <laughs> we've limped limped over the line once again. <laughs> and on that bombshell, that's all we get time for for the Evie podcast this week. Don't forget, we'd say IFA special where we wrap up everything that we're going to see this week over in Germany. And fingers crossed, I think we've all got our fingers crossed that we're going to see some interesting things. Otherwise, it's going to be a pretty short podcast next week. So, uh, my thanks to Steve Withers. I know. Oh, hi, mate. Uh, Mark Hodgkinson. I'll have what she's having. Mark Botwright. Days of the week underpants. And Ed Selly. I have as much of a dark side as the next person. Don't forget, you can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook. You can bookmark evforums.com for latest reviews, news and video. Plus, why not leave us a rating on iTunes if you enjoyed the show. I'm Phil Hinton. Thanks very much for listening. And we'll see you again next week. (laughs) 